1: Hello guys, welcome to our show. Good people, welcome. Bad people, welcome. Anyone who wanna learn more about SEO, about EEAT, experience, expert authority, trust. Welcome, because we are going to cover these topics and tell you how you can increase SEO results. I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Brian Cash. How are you? Good, good, Anthony. It's great to be back. That was a hell
0: of an intro. You definitely upgraded (laughs) last time we talked.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You know, I usually tell my team to create something new i don't limit them with their creativity just tell i need short intro but interesting because uh, bounce rate is high you know if you don't provide something different that others have it's hard to get attention to win attention and it's better of course to uh be straightforward to share about the main topic but sometimes we need to create short intro that can help our listeners to learn more about our speakers. And Brian, before we start, just tell more about your self-experience, background, remind about your business and how you can help others to win SEO results in medical and healthcare industry. Certainly. And I appreciate the opportunity in the conversation. Uh, high Level, I'm a co-founder of an agency
0: and a technology firm called Tidal Health Group. We've specifically been in the healthcare space since inception, and we really just solely focus on two things of building authority, which is our definition really of organic growth. How do you position someone that may be doing something in the physical world that isn't a topical authority, but how do you translate that digitally? So then algorithms, users feel the trust and indication to their topical strength and then acquisition, which is a little bit more straightforward on just like how do you then acquire your ideal patient that kind of meets your ex- expertise
1: and authority. Mm -hmm. nice nice love it awesome can you tell where to start for example if uh, companies have website and they want to increase authority trust and other parameters experience uh, what to do first or or you can share a checklist that you have for example for your clients
0: yeah i mean there's a deep dive you always have to start with and it really it depends on like what medical expertise or topical authority do you have within your business like are you launching with providers that are already providing a physical service, do you have some kind of advisory board, do you have someone that can act as the kind of medical reviewer or standing medical consensus, you really want to make sure you have something in place. It sounds really like obvious, we get that all the time is like, we can't make you an authority, you have to be one or have access to one in the first place, but then translating their authority and their actions and their research online can
1: happen. Can you tell about trust? You know, uh, I check out a few studies that uh, 95% of customers don't buy if they don't trust brands. I think it's important. It doesn't matter what kind of products you sell, you need to have this trust. Uh, some big brands don't need to improve the level of trust like Apple, you know, because they have loyal audience. People know about these products. But what about less known brands that want to win trust from their customers? So any tips how to do it on your website content? So if you have high quality content, but you need to increase this level of trust because we have no this metric, you know, trust level, trust score, you know. So any tips about that? Yeah, there's a
0: couple of ways to think about that. I know we're focused here heavily on the content and the digital experience. But like, you know, I'll start in the physical world and then kind of how it translates online. Um, the simple thing, especially when we're dealing with healthcare that has an in-person aspect. It's funny. I just was reviewing uh, with some interesting partners that do consumer surveys just in the healthcare sector. And over the last decades, it, there's always this factor of trust around the the medical interaction, and people knew that people define trust in healthcare outside of just the interaction with the provider, but this last year was actually the first shift where non-clinical a- actions became the first indication towards trust, and the primary thing that patients saw as an indication towards trust was caring staff, and I'll, I'll kind of walk through from that is that sits to me at like the foundation of are you answering the consumer's problem. For them, they want to make sure that their entire experience with the healthcare system is taken care of, not just that 5, 10, or 20-minute interaction with the provider. And the way I think about that online is very similar, that when you're thinking about from a content perspective, we often start with our, if we're interacting with a provider or someone with a clinical background, the language they use is so massively different than what your end consumer says and does. Like, in our world we deal with a lot of providers that are doing research, producing publications and grants. And that's great within their medical community, because they all need to understand an equal language. But then when you try and take that authority and transfer it to online content, they don't do the groundwork to understand, well, how do people search for what you're an authority in? Because we don't know what our problem is, we don't know who, to, who treats it. We don't know what brain to go to yet. The simple metric I always use is somewhere around 80% of healthcare search is symptoms and conditions. It's the simple layman things that we're suffering from that are har- harming or hurting our day-to-day life. We don't know what we've been diagnosed with. We don't know who treats it. We don't know what brain to go to yet. So you're all, you're playing in this tiny little playground of your expert language if you don't start speaking your your consumer's world.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, nice, valuable. You know, um, many years ago, like, yeah, in 2018, 2017, yeah, uh, yeah, I had a client uh, in weight loss niche. You know, uh, this client uh, sold weight loss supplements, and I promoted this client for two plus... uh, years. Uh, and yeah, that was a uh, good time. Then uh, medical update hit in 2019 and all content were written, uh even rewritten you know, by copywriters who <laughs> didn't know the topic. So we lost traffic and that was hard to recover. Uh We stopped our cooperation um, because it takes time and resources to, I don't know, like to rewrite all this content. Uh, but you know what I found, I usually learn more about my clients before uh, promotion. For example, I learned a lot about weight loss. That's why I usually drink water, you know, more time than (laughs) (laughs) taking pills and shakes. uh, Yeah. After learning enough time, because, you know, people are looking for simple solutions when they buy this uh, weight loss pills, shakes, but water can help a lot more and cause Almost nothing, you know. And uh, um, I wanna ask you how you learn medical and health industry because uh, marketers can't compete with doctors, people who have real experience. But we need to understand how it works, how it can help. Because uh, you focus a lot on medical niche uh, right now. I focus a lot on trading, crypto investing, and I spend so much time to learn about that, to understand how it works, uh, technical analysis, how to. Um, how to trade smart, by the way, I can't do it (laughs) because I usually lose money, but I understand what people are looking for. So can you tell how you learn about medical industry and uh, your loving topics and whether you can pay more attention, like weight loss, I don't know, anything else like that? Yeah, your weight loss example is an interesting one where I don't know the answer to this, maybe you can tell me is
0: you may have, the like world leading authority in weight loss from a medical perspective that could be producing or writing your content. But if you're not properly citing or indicating that person within the information, the algorithm doesn't know that. And in that update instance, whatever you were saying could either been medical consensus, basically saying, yeah, yeah, this is the right thing to say medically. But if you're not backing who that person is behind this, the algorithm doesn't see that as a, signal of trust. Or you could kind of be bucking the curve. And if you're saying things that aren't medical consensus, without any kind of clinical indication to why, that's basically like a double ding. And that algorithm is going to basically say, well, how come all these other trusted healthcare brands are saying this about weight loss, and you're saying something different? We're going to put you on a higher pedestal to prove why what you're saying should be considered a consensus information. And we saw this like really early on when um, Google started to produce the knowledge panels. Like if you Googled something like ACL surgery and you saw that little knowledge panel that wasn't a website, it was just high level medical consensus information around this. They had this little box that said, where do we get this information from? And then you dig into it and they pre-vetted sources that they said, we work with these institutions to produce this medical consensus output they were literally telling you kind of like who is their first degree of separation from Kevin, Bacon. They're like, well, we, this is who we trust the most There's places like the NIH, things like CDC, the Mayo clinic. And it was like, okay, well, how do you start to then deconstruct what it is about their digital footprint that they trust? Some of it could literally just be like the user experience, the information that they're putting on that page. Who are they highlighting to then be associated as the topical expert of that? What are the publications, what are the citations? Yeah. What are the things that they're feeding to the algorithm to go This unequivocally trust this source on this healthcare topic?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice sharing. Love it, love it. Uh, I want to ask you about your methods, how to create the right strategy. You know, It's interesting because I see when customers just use SEMrush, IHRFs, many other great tools like Uber Suggest, Google Keyword Planner, m- many tools we have today. Uh, all of them have advantages, disadvantages. But uh, what I found people are chasing high volume keywords. For example, you know, even uh, I promoted this website, Weight Loss, uh, more than two years. I didn't promote the keyword Weight Loss because in the top 10, Billion-dollar companies, big companies with huge resources, they have these resources. They deserve ranking positions, you know, because of their content, because of authority, trust. So, and uh, it's not a good idea to compete with them. That's why we uh, we usually uh, find something else where we can get results. And in the second, we usually uh, check out content that can convert. Even if you have the top 10 uh, results with high-volume keywords, it doesn't mean that you can sell by having these keywords i'm interested about your way how to find the right strategy right keywords that will sell in the end and not competitive like many uh in the top 10 <laughs> yeah it's a
0: great question and becomes a lot of different factors for that but i mean the short thing is you're measuring intent like the word weight loss could mean a million different things like what is that person looking for by searching that the way we think about it, and then it depends on the client use cases, do you have a physical presence? Like, is there a geography that you're tied to, or is then a subspecialty underneath that? Like, what kind of unique things of, that drive intent or tied to your business, and then make sure you're really focused on growth around that. Very simple ones are always geography. Like, once someone puts usually a city, a reference, or like an acronym in place, like we're in Manhattan, here in New York, it's like, Weight loss NYC is a very, very different intent than someone just searching weight loss. Like you've already seen they've moved down the the, the research funnel to now, okay, they're looking for some kind of service care product, whatever it is. So if you service that community, what are the things you're doing organically to make sure you signal those intents that you're in that space? Sometimes it's uh, the obvious things. I think that we all are kind of probably been exhausted in our space around local listings and a reputation to make sure they're built out. But then we push the concept further around uh, on-page schema is a big thing that we're fans of, especially in the healthcare space. That there's an immense amount of information to start to put signals to not only your geography, your specialty, your conditions, the things that you're relevant about start to really push then and help you rank for those things that spill over more towards a higher intent but like anything that takes still i think it's still relevant i think ai is coming in and kind of confusing people in many different ways but there's still a lot of just contextual language research i don't even call it keyword research anymore because we can't just think of it as the single term it's a lot more contextual language research
1: Mm -hmm. You mentioned a few times about intent uh, and what I usually see when uh, webmasters confuse intent and uh, standing out from the rest, differentiate their products. Because, for example, in marketing, uh, we need to stand out from the rest. I remember this great book from Seth Godin, Purple Cow now you don't need to read this book to understand <laughs> the main point of all marketing you know to uh, to be creative and stand out from the rest but in seo we need to consider intent now so can you tell how to consider user intent but stand out from the rest because if you check out the top 10 results you can see like i don't know uh, 10 best uh, Peels, just a random example, Uh, 10 best uh, shakes. uh, uh, But uh, if you want to consider users, but standing out from the rest, any tips about that?
0: Yeah, I think we're starting to spill over a little bit more, almost into like branding user experience side, which is, oh, there's so many more factors that play into what I think the umbrella of SEO or the complexity of like an SEO manager really has to face now, I think has evolved in a, in, a, in a more complex way over the years. But I love the way I think about that is like, we're very much, especially from the healthcare perspective is like, it's so common for people to try and just compare themselves like tactically in healthcare. Like, Oh, well, we have 10 research publications around this topic and they have nine, or we have 10 specialists and the newest doctor in this, The end of it, like the consumer doesn't give a shit about that. Like you're not addressing their core issue. And often it's something that they're in fear of, especially with healthcare. Like people aren't in market shopping for healthcare. It's a very simple thing that people don't think about is like, I'm much smarter people than me. Mentor, like on average, it's like, if you look at almost most specialties, like less than 1% of your potential, customer base is ever in market at the moment for your issue. So what I'm trying to walk into is that is intent. Often what we're looking at it is the acquisition user. Is this like, we're all trying to focus on this high performance marketing, everyone going after like the person that we think is about to make that decision, which is valuable and you want to address their concerns, but you also want to address that kind of 99% that aren't in market at the moment as well. I hope that gives mm-hmm. somewhat of an answer. Like we are very much of the school. Like we're not trying, I'd go more the blue ocean strategy, which I could draw some parallels to purple cow is like, we want people to def- associate to the brand. What's important about us. That's important for the consumer, not just how we're better than who we think our competitor is.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, you mentioned about AI, you know, I cooperate with many great offers. who can write for Forbes, Investopedia, many other prominent great websites. And I found all of them, all of them, without any exception, use ChatGPT. <laughs> 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 and uh, uh, yeah, uh, that was hard in the beginning because um, I didn't know how to recognize this content after reading a lot of ChatGPT responses. I-, I can, you know, feel that was written by AI, not a human being. Uh, and, uh, of course, we discussed with them uh, that it's better to use this sm- uh, this tool um, in the right way because we can't deny it. this tool exists. But um, if you don't use it smart, then it might hurt more than help, especially about medical niche. You know, uh, ChatGPT just rewrite. Yeah, of course, it's the best rewriting tool, rewriting, not writing. So can you tell how to use AI today in medical and health niche in smart way that uh, will produce high quality content uh, and don't mislead uh, users about uh, the intent or anything else? Yeah,
0: I mean, I'll answer it in kind of a non-healthcare way and then give you some healthcare examples is our view of it, especially from a content perspective, is it's all about the prompt. Really, like so mm-hmm. I think so many people are too focused on the transactional, just like the first statement they'll make to these AI systems is give me what I need. And that response is like the very generalized response that everyone's going to get. The way we think about it is like you need to feed almost 90% of the information to the AI before you then ask it for some kind of output. And that could be information around your brand, your tone, your language. And where I get into the healthcare examples that we do is you can feed it information. If it's, here's this publication, or here are these two publications, feed the content you want to at first. So then you understand the parameters of the prompts you're giving Go kind of output something from this. If it's simple layman format or output something into a headline that we need for an ad or output something into this three to 500 word digest for some kind of email template so we're very very guarded around what are the inputs you're giving around healthcare and there's great healthcare startups in ai just around content production that will go well we do the work for you and go well we only source from these Kind of understood medical consensus high credible areas and or you can feed in specific p- publications or content around them so i'd always be guidance and be very careful around uh using the general ais specifically for healthcare content
1: yeah i i agree i agree. and uh, can you tell about writing these prompts uh, what kind of prompts do you use because i remember um uh, elon musk he tweeted about uh, his question on chat gpt and you know what i like on his question he shared a lot of details in bad language elon musk can you know <laughs> ask these questions and he got uh, this answer uh unique answer it's not like how to lose weight now, how to treat something? Yeah, that was a hard question. Uh, bad language. ChatGPT replied with this bad language <laughs> now and uh, with a lot of details. That was unique. And uh, I see when people, content creators, use generic prompts. Hundred million users can do it as well. Uh, I don't know exactly how many users are on ChatGPT because I uh, one study shared like hundred eighty million. Someone uh, told that more than billion. I don't know. Yeah, uh, We need to wait for official data. But anyway, can you tell your way how to use the right prompts? Uh, do you use best practices or you have your own uh, uh, prompts?
0: Uh, there's best practices, but I think we're all still learning. And I can't say for sure this is what happened to Elon Musk, but it's why ChatGPT allows you to save your threads where you can go back and find a conversation that you had with the system and then continue to either feed more prompts or pull information out. So the way we look at it, especially from a healthcare perspective is like, you can feed existing information. So if you already have a tone of voice, a language or a medical expertise around a Dr. A, you could create a thread that you save in chat TVT and go, well, here's information on how this person speaks, their tone, their personality, their approachableness, Here's then publications on a new topic that this person produced output something of similar tone and language that reading this complex publication in consumer language. That's a very, very short kind of transactional view. But it's how we think about it is like that little thread that you save in the AI system only gets smarter and smarter over time. And you should come back and interact with them. And we try to create almost these like client, brand, or person specific threads that only just become more and more and more
1: unique and personalized to them over time. Mm hmm Yeah. Interesting. Uh, You know, Brian, I usually test products myself before promotion. For example, uh, sometimes I trade, I can tell that I'm successful with that. uh, once I earned like uh, 5k uh, for a few hours, then I lost 16k <laughs> for a few hours. You know, so yeah, it happens. Uh, you know, uh, and uh, but I usually uh, try myself before promotion because I need to understand how it works. I, I read a lot of information. So can you tell how you test products in medical niche uh, or healthcare? Uh, do you have experience on that? And how you usually uh, try before promotion?
0: <laughs> I feel like I want to have a whole other conversation with you on the, the product testing that went bad. I <laughs> feel like you have some, some really good. I, I hope stories. you don't...
1: Don't use the spills before <laughs> promotion.
0: <laughs> no, we don't do a lot of product sales within the healthcare, mm, but healthcare. I will say we are we are relentless on the patient and the consumer experience, whether that's through uh, the digital user experience, then the in-person experience, understanding where the breakpoints are, where the frustration is, is it's not uncommon, but like most of the complaints around healthcare are not in the actual Healthcare. care, it's old like business of healthcare. care, if it's their poor web experience, the fractured web experience, the billing experience, and we want to make sure we kind of can almost predict the problems beforehand and go, well, how are we addressing these or how are we at least setting a foundation to address these going forward? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's direct one-to-one comparison to you, like we don't get into the product side too much. Uh, It's a lot more, like I was saying, we test the user experience from digital experiences and understanding the consumer experience in person.
1: Mm -hmm. And uh, which tools do you use for user experience? I mean, like, uh, do you check out heat map or any other uh, metrics? Are you looking for like bounce rate, uh, time on site? So uh, share how you test this user experience. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I mean, heat mapping is a big one, and and I'll say that this is not our core competency. We have a lot of partners and technologies that will come in around this, but as we've a lot of learnings that we've either been involved in or directly involved in, um, primarily become around around heat mapping uh, from a web and in in the consumer experience that uh, <laughs> are always really interesting. It's almost to the similar language side of what we talked about is. So many people start with uh, what the business of healthcare needs, like the concept where I mentioned where 20% of online healthcare search is around treatments and brands, but 80% is around symptoms and conditions. So it's very common to kind of like have this like outward, like shove of all your business needs into uh, a web experience. And for us, a very common one is like patient portals where they'll just go, well, we need our patients to go through this arduous like, experience, filling out all this information. And we'll go, well, like this is someone that doesn't know you yet, may not be sold or totally trust that you should be their provider or they should purchase something or use your service. And then you're inserting this like really arduous online experience. A patient portal for us is for your existing patients. Like the trust is already built. They're gonna go into their portal They have an account. They know what they need to do. Like your web experience should be very different for your prospective customer or prospective patient. So we see this like business first user experiences very often. What's in place?
1: Mm -hmm. I'm interested about creating non boring content. You know, uh, once I spoke with Jim Edwards. uh, He worked in Business Insider ten years. He started on this company from scratch then company was sold for 500 million dollars great success and he told me that success of business insider depends uh, on creating non-boring content so business finance boring but business insider found the found the way you know how to uh, entertain users in boring niche what about medical healthcare you know uh, i'm not sure that Users are looking for ways for uh, <laughs> entertainment. Probably they are looking for ways how to decide their problems, uh, treat the I don't know, uh, illnesses that they have. So, any tips about creating non-boring content? I mean, like uh, to decrease bounce rate because bounce rate is high. It doesn't matter what kind of content, video, website content. Plus, 50% of users uh, bounce fast because. Uh, Uh, probably irrelevant information and the second it's boring even if it's valuable it's boring so any tips about retaining them until the end I mean like consuming until the end
0: yeah I mean I think the giant lens of all this is that uh, there's going to be a large percentage of kind of bounce and um, information gather within healthcare like I'm saying like the rough number is 99 to 1 but 99 people are just uh, researching healthcare. They're not in market for something. Like when like you're saying that point, I like people aren't out shopping for healthcare. Uh, so there's this inevitably this, uh, it's still a valuable interaction in that moment, even if you don't think there is this long tail retention or sale of it, because they're associating your brand with that information. So that's kind of just a high level lens comment to that. I think what you're going after, uh, to me, is, is still is a language problem. Like we we produce a lot uh, of videos, and the difference that uh, like I'd say our team thinks about it is we come in with like a prompt script. Like we're telling the providers uh, what questions to ask and answer, what language and keywords to say and insert. We're doing this pre research, going you may want to talk about medical topic x but how people search for it and the language they use is way over here so let's make sure that you use and information so they have this kind of contextual relevancy of what the hell you're saying like you may be talking about something that they haven't been diagnosed with yet or treated yet so we need to make sure you're talking to them where they are in their healthcare journey past that i mean <laughs> I think it's a personality thing as well, too, that I think we all, uh, it's funny. I think about, it, I like ingest a lot of business and finance information and I find myself, I always go back to the ones that someone has created a unique perspective and a personality on the information. I enjoy hearing it from that person more, even if it's the same information than someone else that just produces it dryly.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh I want to touch about link building uh, because you know um, the last time I see different opinions about link building because like five years ago almost everyone uh, considered link building uh, uh, even Google in 2015. Uh, if I remember correctly, Andre Lipitz from Google shared that three most important algorithms content, link building, and uh, rank brain. Today, Uh, Google replies to this question a few times that link building is is not the same that was before, so impact less. And I see many companies don't use link building. Uh, I spoke with big brands like Wise.com. They have 25 million traffic. Uh, A few days ago, I spoke with uh, marketers uh, from their team uh, and uh, many other great brands. They don't use link building, but uh, how to get this authority if it's important for EEAT to get this authority? Uh, that's why we need link building Uh, or we can skip it if we have some benchmark I mean like if you have authority it's enough and it's better to pay attention to create high quality content any tips about that?
0: Yeah I mean I'd love to hear I didn't get to watch the one around wise.com as well and they're a great platform I'd be curious how they think about it as well from a finance perspective because it's not that it's not like that resource and energy just goes away part of it has to have moved so then what mm-hmm. target are they defining? Uh, when I think about in healthcare, I come back to that example with the knowledge panel example. I was saying uh, in our world, like the more deep technical world, and there's people probably definitely smarter than me. It's For me, it's schema and a lot of it's entity-based markup. So our world is really starting for them to then try and understand uh, entity relationship. So in healthcare is a great example because... You have a provider, which is an entity, is a name, and then they're often associated to a brand, which is another entity. Their schooling is a different entity. Their publications, their associations, any books they've written, these are all entities within them. So how do we produce and help the algorithm understand the association to these entities and the nearness to them? We, We always think about that of, we were never really big on backlinks, even the last 10, 15 years uh, because of the high bar of healthcare. And then Mm -hmm. I think what you're leading into is that they're shifting more towards that as well, is that they've made it really clear anything, and I say they, mostly Google, but Google and Bing, that anything related to healthcare and finance, it's on you as the site owner to basically convince us that the entity behind it is of authority. So we think of that like, we always make this joke This kind of like six degrees of separation of Kevin Bacon. And we call Kevin Bacon, the CDC, NIH, Mayo. It's like, how do we start to create relationships and bring ourselves closest to these medical consensus entities? And that could be, you're saying, it could be your academic research, it could be your publications, it could be a medical advisory board that you bring in. Could be your medical reviewer. It's like you need to start to connect those dots for the algorithm so that they can draw close to a straight line around the sources of truth and trust that they've defined.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice, nice sharing. And Brian, I want to ask about something that I usually do. I made a lot of mistakes in my life. I keep doing that you know, <laughs> <laughs> because I don't know another way how to learn. You know, I think everyone starts from best practices, generic strategies. Then we fail. I usually fail. You know, For example, when I started PR, I failed many times. Uh, I wrote a bunch of press releases. I pitched them. I didn't get any mentions, links then. Uh, but I learned. I learned how it works. And then I hired great people. Now who can write press releases? Who can uh, distribute them? So and uh, when I created the process, we got backlinks from CNN, Forbes, many other great resources because of learning. You know to learn how it works. Uh, but if I do myself, I will fail 100%. Uh, can you list mistakes that companies in medical healthcare niche still do? And uh, mistakes that we can avoid because we have two mistakes that you need to do and you can avoid by learning before doing these mistakes so at least mistakes that we can avoid
0: yeah i think i try i'll try and some high level ones and then it's always a funny review i think you made a really insightful comment though is like we all make mistakes it's it's learning from them that separates us from the, the people that grow and don't grow uh, a simple sense of like a uh, smarter person than me in a, in a sales category. I always said that he goes, I can tell the success of someone that will be great in sales or just okay in sales. Like you can be active and just be active for active sake and some kind of sale will happen. But the people that take the time to reflect and look back and optimize their efforts, are the ones that start to become great. And it's taking that moment and, re- and reflecting on your experience and seeing yourself in the process than just always being in the process um yeah on the the healthcare side we always see they're saying it's very common that we come in and there's this internal this inward out marketing perspective like we're doctors and we're great we have the newest technology and it's the best that's why we're the best and you should come here and there isn't this lens to go well that's not what your consumer cares about like you have to flip the script and you're writing that website or you're writing that copy almost to yourself like i'm selling myself of why i'm the best compared to the next doctor but you have to be able to understand that you're not producing information for yourself or your community you're producing yourself for a potential consumer which is the provider or sorry which is the patient that's still i mean decades in healthcare communications and branding still kind of struggles with that point of like who are you actually communicating to uh and that's that i mean that's the heart i think of what we're still at as seo is i i think it fluctuates between eight and ten percent something like that but it's the largest category of online search is healthcare like the volume behind it is tremendous People's understanding of their problem is always growing. Like COVID was that black swan that every specialty had COVID and within search. We saw people craving for information that just wasn't being produced. That was at a huge scale, but that's constantly evolving as new products come out, new treatments, new protocols. So You have to always be closing that education gap from medicine to the consumers of medicine
1: hmm. Nice. Nice. And I want to ask my common question. I ask all speakers on my podcast. Um, you know, uh, for example, I found that we usually get high results with clients who understand SEO, if they understand, then we can cooperate like a cohesive team. We know why we need to create high quality content, what kind of content to create, how to increase trust authority. Uh, why we need to have uh, high speed on websites, uh, m- many things, uh, PR, link building. But if they don't, I usually tell them, take my course, learn from best experts, <laughs> go to YouTube, go to Google, it doesn't matter, just learn, get the basic, understand the basic, then we can cooperate much better, you know, we can understand each other. So let's imagine, Brian, you started today from scratch without any experience knowledge skills it's your first day in acr <laughs> what will you do today differently to learn from scratch it's a great question i
0: mean i'll, I'll answer it in the healthcare setting uh and then i'll maybe i'll answer it in like the like nutcase brian as a kid setting um the healthcare setting for me there's very particular voices that i trust even now and I would encourage people to go. Um, yeah, I mean, even if uh, I start when I when I started, it was very young maybe there was less platforms. But if I'm thinking now, there's voices like uh, like Lily Ray, voices like Marie Haynes that like own this healthcare EEAT experience standpoint. Is it's always an evolving one, but you're going to find the customers that you want to work with will start to latch on certain people in the field that you want. And it's like then focus down and deep dive on them where there's so much information to get lost in is I would pick kind of these three to five trust points and, and kind of focus on the information that comes out of them. Uh, that I'm more of the like niche down specialty type. So i, I, I look and kind of advocate for that because SEO is becoming much more complex. So I'd vote more in the, the kind of specialty range of picking a topic in that sense.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice, nice. By the way, guys, you mentioned Lily Ray about EEAT and she wrote a checklist for my SEO course. So <laughs> if you need a oh, uh, checklist from Lily Ray, a, a lot of points, you know, you can find the same checklist online, but it's more, if I remember, like plus 40 points uh, points that you can consider in your EEAT. So yeah, open, check out, analyze, and uh, she highlights uh, the most important, less important, what you need to consider. And Brian, my final question about the future, you know, we mentioned AI, and I I read a few articles that AI can change medical industry as well, Uh, even in Canada, some uh medical companies can treat cancer and other diseases by using ai technology um, and i'm interested about the future what kind of future will be uh, in your vision uh, i mean like we will have scenario from matrix uh, terminator or <laughs> something else you know <laughs> so I, any vision about the future? Take your Crystal ball and let us know what will be.
0: <laughs> uh, I'm much more of a half-glass full, so I'm, I'd say more default uh, optimist in this. So uh, definitely not the Terminator vibe. The world, and when I think about healthcare marketing and, and communications, the world I'm excited about is the language side. I mean, there's great startups and one particular that we're working with that um, has actually produced AI that will sit at the moment, of consultation and interaction between the patient and the provider and in real time they're actually producing a summary for the provider for their own ops and medical notes reasons but they're then also producing a consumer translation of what was just told to them it's something around like 80% of information is not routine, retained at that moment of clinical interaction so imagine walking out from your care is very personalized digested and translated language. And I think the more we can identify and close that gap of difference of language from the marketers to the admins, the clinical care is just going to only improve people's adherence and people's willingness to be more proactive with their care because they're going to understand
1: it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nice, nice. Brian, it's a big pleasure to get in my show, to learn from you. You always share valuable insights. You're so kind to share this value. Uh, Let us know the best way how to keep learning from you, how to follow you, how to reach out to you.
0: Uh, Yeah, personally, I'm most active on LinkedIn. So I'm happy to kind of connect or ever uh, take any questions, comments on there. And then my company is Title Health Group. So you can always go on titlehealthgroup.com and learn about us, sign up for our newsletters and try and be pretty uh, active in that space.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay, guys, you can find the link to the website, to LinkedIn account in the description below. Thanks again for your time, Brian. A big pleasure. So valuable. You You lead me in the emergency room. I need to spend time to consume all this information, you know. (laughs) Too many funky uh,
0: products we're taking.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you know. So we decided to learn about SEO in medical niche, but I need to spend time on this room, you know, emergency room (laughs) to consume all this data. Guys, thanks a lot for listening and watching us. You can find all the links uh, in the description below. And see you next time.